it's your body and it's your body, your health. And if you're young right now, if you're like in your, in your late twenties, early thirties, things like things are going to pound. And if you don't take care of yourself, all those little things you're doing are going to compound. And in 15 years, you're listening to the evolved sales leader an overpass podcast. This is a show for the sharp-minded business development or sales innovator who's curious about new ways to grow and seeks actionable insights you can leverage to qualify for that next round of funding, achieve a successful initial public offering, or systematically get in front of more of your ideal clients or customers in a post-COVID world. Let's get into the show. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Jonathan Fisher, your host. We're excited to have you with us today, and I'm excited about our guest. We have with us Julian Herrero. He is the founder of Jacked Vegans, a highly successful coaching and fitness company that operates from the beautiful Yucatan Peninsula with clients all over the globe, from the UK to the US, down to Australia, and places beyond. Julian has a great set of skills around taking his message to the marketplace and selling more clients. And that is something we all need to do better in growing our companies. And if we're going to grow our companies as fast as we need to, we've got to have fantastic health and fitness. So Julian, excited to have you on the podcast today. Welcome aboard. Excited to be here, man. Excited to share my story here and hopefully help some people make some sales, make some money and grow their companies as well. All right. That's what we'd like to hear. Well, Julian, let's start at the very beginning. So you're a founder. In the last uh, two years from talking to you, you saw 250% growth the year before last. And uh, this year, you're looking to double yet again. What are some of the secrets to your success? And maybe even prior to telling us that, what's the story? How did you get started founding this company? That's a great story, man. So I used to work with a sales coach for tech startups. So I'm kind of familiar with the space. And I worked with that guy for about two years. I helped him prospect, I helped him with marketing. And at some point, we, we reached a point where things were not working out anymore. And he let me go. He fired me. I was fired. And that's the point where I call, I, I burnt my ship. I believe in this story about burning your ships where you just commit to doing something. And, and that way, kind of like the universe burnt it for me because I, I was, I tried to start a coaching company for many years, but having the job, having the paycheck just kept me comfortable and I didn't do it. And I got fired and I was like, I got to pay rent. I got to do something. So I just started, you know, I started getting clients because I, I had to pay bills. I had to pay rent. I, you know, I had to live and I was forced to do it. And I just started doing fitness. I, I've always been the fitness guy in every circle, everywhere that I go. So I just naturally drifted into that and started reaching out to my friends, my family, and started getting some clients. And just the business started right there. It was three years ago. That's pretty exciting. So how quickly after making this beginning, were you able to actually keep your lights on with what you were doing? So the, at the start, I didn't have many skills. I, I didn't know how to sell. I didn't know how to price myself. So I was basically giving my service away and I was just making like very minimum to live in Mexico, which is not that much money that you need to live here. But things started changing the minute I started working with a coach. And that's, you know, one of the, the key things in my success is being hiring people to help me, to give me skills, to teach me skills so I can take things to another level. So I hired my first coach and my first goal was to get to 10K a month. That's like the first, you know, milestone that everyone has. I want to get to 10K a month. So I hired my first coach and within, within two months, I hit that goal. And after that, it was just little by little started increasing, 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 increasing. And then we're here now. 
That's extremely cool. So what are some lessons you learned along the way? Obviously, there's a, a process of growth that often requires making some mistakes, doing some things wrong so you can learn how to do it right. Maybe you could share a few of those. What's one time that it didn't work out as expected and what did you learn? The biggest pivot we did, or I did, was transitioning to the vegan niche. Before going into the vegan niche, I was just doing general fitness coaching. So I was a coach that targeted everyone, basically. And now what I tell people is when you target everyone, you don't, you don't target anyone because no one really identifies with you. So the minute I decided to transition to the vegan niche, I automatically was able to become one of the top experts in, in the niche, in the space, because the competition, there's not a lot of competition. There's probably five guys that look like me that, you know, can be my competition. So I was at the top right away. And within two months after transitioning to vegan niche, I five X the business. So I was like, I did something good here. And I, after that, I just like doubled down on the vegan niche. And that's what I've been doing for the past two years. Just been growing that name of the company, my name. And it's just worked really well, man. It's a combination of, of sales and marketing, basically. That makes a lot of sense. And you know, as you know, a lot of our listeners are in the tech space, fast-growing, venture-funded firms. And I've seen many times where a whole team of engineers and developers are very proud of a solution that they have developed and invented and they bring it to market. And the thing is, it's too broad. They're trying to do too many things and they have too much other competition. And if they don't have some built-in flexibility to continue to iterate and have some agility to make some changes and get focused on a better target, they're probably not going to make it. And conversely, solutions that have that flexibility where they can find, okay, this is our niche. Let's go after that one target and do that one thing extremely well. That can be uh, light years beyond in terms of results. So there's a real, I see a real overlap there. Tell me more about the sales piece. So what, what, what have you found have been keys in being able to up your game there? What are two or three rules of success, if you will? Oh man, sales. Sales is it's one. I, I still sell because I freaking love it. I don't have to sell because I got people that, that work with me that are really freaking good, but I do it every day because I really, really enjoy it. So the, the first, I'm going to tell you what worked for me. I hired a coach that was really freaking good at sales. Like when I, when I first met this guy, I was like, this is like sales god. So I hired him, paid him a lot of money, and I just did everything he told me to do. So I started, I, for me, the accent, I used to have a really thick accent and I have problem pronunciating words. So I worked on that every single day. I used to read tongue twisters, dude, like 30 minutes every day in the morning just to be able to communicate better. Uh, I used to practice objection handling. So when someone tells you, I want to think about it, what does that really mean? Like, how do you, how do you handle that? How do you get them to tell you what they're really thinking without breaking report? So sales is, is a combination of, of learning the theory. But you practice. You got to actually put yourself out there and talk to people because if you you can read all the books you want, but if you don't put yourself out there, pitch, get used to talking to people, get used to handling objections, you're never going to be able to develop that skill. So it's a combination of, of practice and just going out there and doing it as much as you can. I love that. I noticed one thing in your story that, that pops out to me is you're selling cross-culturally. And that's something that also a lot of our listeners are dealing with. They have a, a geography that goes way beyond just one specific cultural background. So I'm wondering, what are some keys that you might share with the audience in terms of being successful cross-culturally? More than cross-culturally, it's just understanding the human being you're talking to because you got different personality types. And I'm guessing that if a tech company is targeting a demographic, like they're going to target one person inside another company. And they're probably going to have similar personalities like within 
a range of companies. So you got to learn how to speak to different personality types. And I'll give you an example. I get people that are CEOs or we have people that are entrepreneurs and we also get moms. I'm not going to talk to the entrepreneur the way, the same way I talk to the mom. It's like different visions, different pains, different goals. So you got to adjust the way you, you present your product, the way you talk to the person you're talking to. Some people care about numbers. Other people care, care about emotions. So you got to be able to identify when you're in the call and on the presentation and just tailor your presentation to the people that you're talking to. If you do that, you're going to be, a, I, I tell, I tell my guys, like when you're talking to someone on a call, it's just like a door, right? And you can have a thousand keys in your hand. All you got to do is find the key that's going to unlock it, unlock it. But everyone, everyone, like that's the key for everyone. You just got to find the key that unlocks that person. And when you find it, they're going to open up and, and you're going to close the sale. You're going to get the deal. How do you do that? It's hard to pinpoint, man. I think it's a combination of what I said of just practicing. Like right now for me, I've done it so many times that I can just adjust the communication right away depending on who I'm talking to. So I don't need to think, oh, this guy needs to be spoken this way or needs to be pitched this way because he's uh, an engineer, so he needs more numbers and more structure and logic. It, it, it just it comes from repetition. It's hard to tell you, like, do this. It's just, just got to practice and talk to people and just analyze, like reflect on what you did, listen to your calls and have someone that's better than you to tell you to analyze your calls and to help you figure out what you did wrong. Because most of the times when you're starting out, you don't know what, like, how you mess up. You don't know why you lost a deal. You don't know why you broke rapport with the person. You don't know why the person got mad at you on the call. But when you get an expert that's been doing it for years, that's done thousands of hours of calls, they'll know right away and they'll tell you, hey, this is what happened right here. You didn't do this. You didn't pick this up. And the person feel like, felt like you were, you were not listening and you lost rapport right there. So I think the number one thing, like if you really want to get good at sales, get someone to help you out get someone to coach you through through the process because having that mentor is just going to help you take your skill set to another level really fast. Mentoring and coaching is such a powerful component, still often overlooked. Changed my life, man, completely. Like, it's like, I cannot even explain it. And I think that in a lot of larger companies, this can be underestimated. They think they can do it all in, internally. What, what are some of the big mistakes you think that some of these founders of other businesses, you're a founder yourself, what are some mistakes that you see being made out there? What would you put your finger on? Fear of niching down. They fear that, that if they get too specific, they're going to miss out. But it's the complete opposite. Like you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, when you try to solve every single problem, you're not going to solve any problem. Like you're not, you're going to be the guy that does nothing. Whereas when you niche down and you focus on doing one thing, you're really freaking well and just being that guy or that company that solves X, Y, Z problem, then everyone in the world who has that problem is going to think about you when they want to solve it. So I think that's a, the main, main problem that most people face. Just they have fear of niching down because they feel they're going to miss out on business, but it's the complete opposite. Yeah, I've seen the same thing. What other mistakes have you seen being made in the space of uh, startups? Well, tech startups, I can talk more about the, about the coaching space. The coaching space specifically, underpricing, not knowing the worth of your product, not believing in what you're selling. So it, it's just a combination of, of many things that could happen. But underpricing and not, not believing in what you're selling enough to push it all the way, it's, it's another big mistake. Because I, I also tell people, like, like for me, what I'm selling is like the best thing in the world. Like, it's, it's the cure. For, like, we've had clients, man, that come to us and they tell us, like, 
Like I was, I, I wanted to kill myself. I was going to commit suicide, but your program helped me not do it. So when, when I hear that, I'm like, like, whatever you tell me, like, doesn't, you gotta, you gotta freaking sign up and do it. Right. I believe in my program more than whatever you can tell me. So that belief in your product, just believing in what you're selling more than anything is one of the most important things when you're presenting because, because that you transmit that energy. And at the end of the day, a sales conversation is just like a transfer of energy. You're transferring your belief and your emotion to the other person. So if you go into, into a sale and you're not sure or you don't fully believe in your product or you haven't had the conversation with yourself, it's going to be hard to get the other person to come to the same level as you. Because you're, if you're not at a 10, like 15 out of 10, like the people you're presenting to are 5 out of 10, right? You, you cannot expect to get someone 10 out of 10 if you're not there yourself. So having that belief... I think it's, it's one of the most important things because that's just going to make you fight for the, for the sell, for the close, like take it all the way. So I think that's another key thing. I love that. I really do believe that sales is a transfer of energy. And I do think that far too many in business development don't have enough passion at all for what it is they're bringing to market. And you have to kind of get involved with seeing what is your solution really doing for the lives of those who are using it. It's really easy to kind of depersonalize it. It's a solution. It's technical. It's for business or whatever. But at the end of the day, this is for people. You're solving a problem for other humans. And if you can really wrap your head around what does that look like in terms of real people who are living their lives, using your solution, benefiting from the results, that's something you can get excited about. And that passion, as you said yourself, is very contagious. You used another really key word there, Julian, which is energy. And energy is something of which none of us probably feels we have enough. But to my mind, I think that's something you specialize in. So let's let's dovetail in what you do into this space. I mean, when you're working hard, trying to get a company off the ground, I mean, you, you've worked with founders. What are some of the key mistakes that they're making with their health? And what would you do about those immediately if you could, if you were their coach? So... One of the big mistakes that many entrepreneurs make, and I know because I've had many entrepreneurial clients, is not take care of their health. And one thing that everyone that's trying to start a business or take up something off the ground, you got to understand that you you are the at the beginning you're going to be the product, you're going to be doing everything. So if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not putting yourself in a position where you feel great every single day, it's going to be a disadvantage to you. You're going to show up with low energy. You're not going to be able to, to have the confidence and the skill and the, the excitement because you're not taking care of yourself. So when you fill your cup and you put yourself as a priority, like your body, the way you feel, your sleep, your nutrition, then you're going to show up so much better for anything that you do and you're going to be so much more efficient. So that's one of the biggest, the biggest mistakes, man, because these guys just get takeout all the time. They don't work out. They're sitting all day. And it's transfer, like sales, like we said, it's just a transfer of energy. So if you have that energy, then that's what you're going to transfer in the call. Yeah. Well, other than, so, so sitting still too much, I see, I've noticed you're walking even while we're talking on this podcast. That's pretty awesome. You have one of, one of those uh, treadmill desks, apparently. So not enough, just motion. What are some of the other key health-related mistakes that entrepreneurs frequently make? So the, the lack of movement is definitely one. And the treadmill man is, is just a, the easiest solution that I tell everyone who works from home, who works in a company, who does a lot of calls. You put treadmill, it's 300 bucks. You, you put it, it's, it's going to literally add years, like years of life to you. This is a study that came out recently. I don't remember the exact numbers. It was something like for every thousand steps that you do every single day, you increase your life by like 10%. Like it was a ridiculous number. So it's, it's just worth an investment. It's a, it's a good investment. So just moving more. And second thing is just paying attention to your nutrition. Like 
and and I don't need we have we have a notion of what good and what bad nutrition is. So I don't, I don't want to sit down here and tell you like specifically what to eat. Just just pay attention to what you're eating. Like make make the good choices. Stay away from the things that are or try as much to stay away from the things that are not really as healthy for you because it's your body and it's your body, your health. And if you're young right now, if you're like in your in your late twenties, early thirties, things like things are going to compound. And if you don't take care of yourself, all those little things you're doing are going to compound. And in 15 years, you're going to come to me and you're going to be like, Julian, I got, I got 80 pounds to lose. Help me out. So you can avoid that by just taking, taking little actions right now. Yeah. I'm not going to call you with 80 pounds extra. I promise. My wife won't let that happen. Don't worry. But, <laughs> well, there are probably some specific foods or things to drink that you see that you may have some good advice to give on those. Like, what are some things we should be, in, ter- in terms of drinking and eating, recommendations you would make? What's, what do we tend to go to too often? How, how would we rein that in? What would you recommend there? So, are the main people that listen, like technical founders, because if they're technical, I can just give some numbers and I know they're going to pick it up super well. So, if you're like... I'm going to give you numbers, guys, because I know that you work with numbers. So, one, make sure that you're your best to track the amount of calories that you eat every single day. Okay, track it and put yourself in a place where you're consuming sufficient calories to maintain your activity levels, but not over too much where you're just gaining weight all the time, and not under too much that you're starving all the time because that happens too. People don't eat like Monday to Friday, and then the weekend comes and they just go a little wild with food. So try to be consist- as consistent as you can with the amount of food that you're eating every single day. Because when you're consistent, you can make easy changes. If you're eating kind of the same every day, then if you want to take out a little bit of food to gain weight, you can do it. To lose weight, you can do it. You can, you know exactly what you're eating. You can make a reduction right away. So that's the first thing. The second thing, include green vegetables with every meal, like three meals a day. Make sure that you have greens in them and make sure that every single meal has a serving of protein. I think those are the easiest thing that anyone can do. That's great advice. Do you feel like people turn to energy drinks too often? And, and what what is your feeling as a health trainer about some of the options that are out there for that? I really don't have anything against coffee and caffeine. I drink coffee all the time, but I don't think that it should be used as a clutch because you're not eating properly. If you want to, you know, you have you want to have your caffeine fix or you want to have your coffee in the morning because it's your habit. It's actually healthy for you, like coffee, so nothing wrong with it. But again, make sure that the nutrition behind it is is good enough so that you're not just relying on the caffeine to go to get through your day. That makes a lot of sense. How about alcohol? Is that something that, I mean, it, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of nutrition to go with the calories. So that's probably the first thing that comes to mind, right? What other, do you have other advice around alcohol or do, for somebody who's a busy professional? Yeah, definitely, man. Alcohol, for guys, I, I don't drink at all. Like uh, I haven't had a drink in like three years. I stopped drinking. Okay, podcast over. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, ex- I, I don't expect my clients or everyone to do that because it's alcohol is a big part of social life and i know people enjoy it so just be conscious of how much you drink try not to go over like two three servings when you're doing it try not to do it more than twice a week because what usually happens is after a couple of drinks some bad decisions come when it comes to when it comes to food it's you, you just lose the willpower so that pizza is easier to eat the whole pizza when you're a little hungry and a little like tipsy from a couple of beers so just be mindful. I think at the end of the day, everything is about mindfulness and not going to the extremes. If you don't go to the extremes, you, you move throughout your week, you work out a couple times a week, and you eat mostly healthy, you'll be completely fine if you have a couple of drinks on the weekend. Sure. Do you have any recommendations for things like tools or other ways to, to solve what 
I think of as kind of a problem. Like when I'm busy through the week, uh, my wife is also a busy professional. It's difficult to make sure we have the greens on hand for every meal. And it's difficult to necessarily, you know, track calories. You know, I'd, I'd like to bullet journal. I could track them there. I mean, do you recommend like an app to do that? And do you have any go-to resources for getting better food? Do you guys prep your meals at home? Or how does it, or do you guys order order food? We do actually typically prep at home. We try to do that, and so our goal is one of us cooks on. We, we each take a turn of cooking, and we hopefully cook enough that we can have a little bit for the next time. So that, that's not always great for nutrition. I know fresher is better, but I'll, I cook on Mondays. That's my night. My wife cooks on Wednesdays. That's her night. Do you make mostly the same food every Monday? Or do you vary it a lot? I do try to vary it, and I I love vegetables, but it's really if the truth truth be told, I I wrote up a menu recently, and I had like twenty items that I cook. So that's not that huge, really. And there are some vegetables I like to fix, but it's not that varied. So the advice I would give you is that it's not that varied. It's easy. You can you can down, right? You can put put a menu together. Take the time to figure out figure out the calories for for two, three menus. And then once you figure them out, you just prep them and you know what's in it. And you can make sure that when you do that, it'll be cool because you'll see, okay, cool. I see that I'm not eating enough protein, clearly, like and I'm eating a lot of fat. So let's make sure that I include a little bit more whatever tofu. So just taking that time to, to pre-plan it and just to have it in a place where you can come back and see it, I think that's going to make a huge difference for you. And as far as apps for tracking, I like to use my fitness pal. It's, it's free. It's easy. Most people use it. My fitness pal. Yep. Actually, I do use that. And I'll, I'll, I'll second your opinion about calorie counting. It's not necessarily a popular option, but once you get kind of accustomed to it, it seems like you get a little bit better used to what is it, a real portion size, at least for me. I'm not nearly as advanced in health as you are, but I did drop 20 pounds last year. I got some COVID weight on me. So I, so I got back on my fitness pal and you know I do some good old guy type workouts, you know, high reps, low weight, <laughs> and uh, just to keep it rolling. What, what would you do for a guy like me? Maybe we're kind of maintaining. You know, It's not like we're sick or anything. We're feeling pretty good, but maybe we want to up our game. Do you have a couple of recommendations for that guy or gal on the on the podcast up your game when it comes to like working out like gaining muscle taking your fitness to like yeah someone who's let, let, let's assume it's a professional it's got a decent baseline you know like they, they feel pretty healthy they're active they maybe they do sit a little too long they know that so they can work on that one they try to eat, avoid bad food but you know what they still you know they look in the mirror they'd like to tighten it up a little bit what do you think some good logical next steps would be this is not a plug like but but this is the way i solve my challenges when i want to do something and i'm not sure how to do it i pay someone i believe that my time is too valuable to to spend hours days weeks trying to figure it out probably not and and with the possibility of not getting it right especially when it comes to health and fitness that you can you can get hurt you can do like things that you thought were okay but end up putting you in a worse position in the long run so my advice if you're in that place where you're already like taking care of your health and you want to take it to another level, just find a coach that you resonate with. Like look on Instagram, there's so many people and send them a message. If you like them, hire them, they're going to help you out and they're going to make it a no brainer. Like you, you will not have to think you'll get up, you get the plan and you follow the plan. For me, that's the easiest way to do it. And that's what I've done with my company. I just hired a coach, give me the plan. I do it and it works. So that's what I would tell someone who wants to take it to another level. Makes sense. That makes sense. So let me ask you to think a little bit about some of your own case studies. You know, are there some examples of business founders who they were probably eating and drinking the wrong things, probably not as active as they needed to be, and it was starting to affect their health? Without changing names to protect the innocent or the guilty, could you tell us maybe one or two of your real-life examples of professional people, especially if they were a founder of a company, who were able to see some 
correlation in the results in their physical health and the results they were able to create in the health of their business. Specifically, founders don't come to mind. We had we had a, a guy that worked with that worked at NASA, and he got freaking shredded, man. You know, he didn't know how to transition to veganism. He was still eating fish, so he came to us. He he wanted to to go fully vegan, take out animal products completely from his diet, and also take his nutrition to to another level, take his fitness as well. We worked with him for six months, and he got super freaking shredded. He he looked great, and he this was a busy guy. He worked. He was an I think he did accounting for NASA, so. He was a busy guy. That's one guy that comes to mind right away. We had another guy that was a doctor. That is a doctor. He ran, he runs marathons. Busy guy. And again, we gave him the plan. He implemented the plan and he hit a PR, a seven minute PR in his marathon, just because he got stronger and he made sure that he was fueling himself properly for all the activity that he, that he was doing. So he, he hit a seven minute PR in his marathon, which is huge for someone who does marathons. You, you probably know what like what that means. And he also got stronger. So he sounds screw, He just felt better. So those are just two people that come to mind right away. That's super cool. Well, and you know, founding a company is a marathon. So there is a real correlation there between our physical health and what we are able to achieve in the business world. Julian, it's been a real pleasure to have you on the podcast today. I've enjoyed learning a lot from you today. I know our listeners have as well. If somebody wanted to reach out and speak to you directly, what's the best way for them to find you? I believe Instagram is the, is the easiest way. That's where I'm most active. It's Julian Yero first and last name together. That's it. Or you can just look for Jack Vegans and you'll see my company page. You can DM us there too. And we'll put links in the show notes as well so you can find Julian online if you'd like to learn more. But Julian, once again, thanks for being on the podcast. That'll do it for today. Thanks for being on the episode. Thank you for having me, man. I really enjoyed it. Overpass makes it simple, seamless, and highly cost-effective to engage with new clients and effectively manage remote teams from anywhere in the world. We provide a comprehensive platform that allows you to find, interview, hire, and pay top quality sales and business development professionals all from within a single environment. For evolved sales leaders who are looking for a new edge with an incredible ROI, visit us at overpass.com to learn more. You've been listening to The Evolved Sales Leader, hosted by Overpass. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. Please give us a rating, leave a comment, and share episodes you love. That helps us keep bringing you conversations and cutting-edge content so you can keep evolving your sales leadership. Thanks for listening. Until next time, never stop evolving.